As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! I am your father. Get it? Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Films Narcitude, this is Real Spoilers 568, where we continue an ongoing series where we look into sequels that are weird, you didn't know existed, or maybe shouldn't exist at all. <laughs> or maybe are awesome. Or maybe it should. You should know they exist, and they rock. Maybe somebody <laughs> wasted a $50 million budget on a really oh. stupid movie. <laughs> yes, they did. We they, bring, yeah. We bring you Escape from L.A. It's so good. Uh, love this movie. Absolutely love this movie. Awful movie. Like, it's so <laughs> frustrating because, like, he could have done something really cool and instead he did this. You know, it, it's a uh, this when you watch these two movies back to back, which I did because, you know. They're two very different movies. Yeah. This is a right? big budget like, 90s action movie as opposed to an 80s sci-fi art house movie. Yeah. And it, I watched, actually I went on YouTube because <clears throat> I was looking for the, so Shout Factory is releasing this in May as a special uh, collector's edition, but there has the, the, the Blu-ray that exists is very bare bones. Yeah. Like there is almost nothing on the Blu-ray besides the movie. So I was like, there has to be stuff out there like there has to be like making ofs you know like they would show those on hbo did you watch the 30 minute behind the scenes i did i sure did too and man i'll tell you (laughs) what i loved the movie before but that gives you a completely new appreciation for this movie okay tom are you ready for this sure the basketball scene oh all kurt russell i know all real i read that like i mean you, you could tell in the movie like and now I don't know how many times he had to 
to take all day. shots. A lot. All <laughs> night. He did it all night, and every single shot is a real basketball shot, like even you, the full court shot. Yeah, you can tell. Like they, it's uh, you know, And here's how you can tell. One, the camera doesn't pull away. Yep. And two, the effects in this movie, the CGI in this movie, is so, so crappy that if they had <laughs> yeah. replaced the basketball with a CGI basketball, it probably wouldn't have <laughs> even been the right color. So... <laughs> So like I have a bright yellow ball. I have complete faith that those basketball shots are legit. (laughs) Now I don't know how many times he had to take that shot to make it. All of all of them. Yeah. (laughs) A lot. Until he almost couldn't do it anymore. Because there were a lot. But we should uh, introduce ourselves into the intro before we start. I know how much how much it frustrates Kevin when we don't. So let's go around the virtual (laughs) table and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Quick shameless plugs. Don't forget, we're available on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Uh, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group, and of course, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash real spoilers. Five bucks a month, all sorts of bonus content, and uh, and you help us out, and we appreciate that. So, um, I, you know, I haven't seen this movie since it came out, and... I rem- sorry. <laughs> I remembered the the basketball scene and uh-huh. as just being cringeworthy and totally forgot that there's also <laughs> surfing and hang gliding. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah, oh, there is. Oh my god. Did you this also forget that it's almost an exact with... remake of Escape from New York? Oh yeah, like that's why I never revisited it because <laughs> almost gonna... beat for beat. Yeah, if I'm going to watch a movie that has the exact same plot as Escape from New York, I'll see Escape from New York every time. Every single this time. Movie, this movie is so fun. I love it. I, You know, watching it again, I did not... Is it dated? Yes. There's a lot of movies from the 90s that are dated. Is the CG bad, especially compared to now? Yes. But it, I find that this movie... Hang, hang is, on. Hang on. <laughs> I, I saw this movie in the theater when it opened, uh-huh. and I just... So as the guy who's like 20 years older than everybody else, I need to make this point very clear. That CGI was bad at the time. Like <laughs> don't like don't don't excuse with nostalgia this movie is like, well, it was the 90s and CGI was what no. That CGI sucked <laughs> at the when time. They, when they do the submarine, I I was like, "Oh boy." That I mean is- that can we let's just like, get to LA and call it a day? Let's not that show that CGI ever again. in real time was worse than like the first run syndication sci-fi television shows of the time. <laughs> I mean, it was like a notch below Stargate Atlantis. It's it's pretty bad. bad. But you know what though? But I love it though. This movie is the epitome of a B movie. If I'm looking for a B movie, this would jump to the top of my list. I mean, this is up there among I the th- B movies. I think I could enjoy this movie if Escape from New York didn't exist. But I could definitely see that. But because Escape from New York existed and is so good and like yeah. Snake Bliskin is so cool and yep. then they have him playing basketball and surfing in this movie <laughs> and it's just it's just dumb. And like but- it's and so like I can't enjoy the campy nature of the film because Escape from New York isn't a campy movie. I think I enjoy it because it's so campy. I do it's, too. You know that's what, what I mean. You know what it's I mean? Like movie. it's it's almost like watching Batman and Robin, but l- like less offensive. Like okay. to me, Batman and Robin is extremely campy and extremely offensive. 
absolutely. But like I, but for me, it's more akin to if you made a if you made Batman and Robin, but you hired yeah. Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale to do. So it. here's what I will. Say. Okay, so Carpenter does have a weird track record, right? Like there's a there's a there's a there's a defining line in the Carpenter live in the Carpenter filmography where he kind. So okay, he's Snake Plissken in real life. Like he talks about that in that like behind the scenes doc where he's like Snake Plissken is basically me, like anti-authority, like I it got me into trouble. That's kind of who I am. Where there's a line in his filmmaking where you can see him kind of I'm not going to say giving up on his his filmmaking ideology, but there is a there is a switch where he st- he starts doing work for hire basically. Um, and it's around this time. So he's you've got this, you've got John Carpenter's Vampires, which would have been a bigger movie had it not come out almost up against From Dusk Till Dawn. Like that those two movies came out very close together and they got and they did Ghosts up. of Mars with was Ghosts Ice of Cube? Mars, which is which yes, was supposed yeah. to be the third escape movie. That was supposed to be Escape from Mars. Yeah. And it was gonna be Snake Plissken. Really? On Mars. Yeah, and that, but then this movie happen. tanked hard and nobody right. would give him any money <laughs> yeah. because which which give me that movie. Like yeah. here's the thing is Snake Plissken is such a great, great character. Oh my god. That's yes. it's a shame that we only got two movies. Well, that's why you gotta play those Metal Gear Solid games. I mean Or read get- the comic. But you know, Tom, do you know that there's a video game series with a character that's that is like 100% proven based on this character? No, I I video games, I don't care. Sure. So <laughs> so there's so there's a there's a video game creator called Hideo Kojima and he created the Metal Gear Solid games and he's he's like what a showrunner would be to a vid- to a TV show. Okay. He he creates the story and he oversees the production and comes up with the ideas and all this stuff. And so Hideo Kojima is very highly um, respected in the video game industry he went to film school like he wanted to be a filmmaker and he ended up creating video games but what he did was he fur- he pushed this idea that video games can have a strong narrative and right. they can be very cinematic and so Metal which Gear is basically Sol- where we are now Right, right. He was one yeah. that really started he's, he's, video games. He's one games. of the pioneers of... He, exactly. And so yeah. uh, Metal Gear Solid was, I think, the third game in the series. Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 came out on the original NES, and they were, you know, side-scrollers and shooting. They had a story, but, you know, very basic. Right. And then pl- for PlayStation 1, Metal Gear Solid came out, which is revered as one of the greatest video games of all time definitely one of the best playstation games but there were all these cutscenes, and there was this huge intricate story and the voice acting was more professional than anything that had been seen and uh, anyway so the main character his name is snake plissken the last name yep. is spelled differently but literally the character is snake plissken and so hideo kojima loved that movie loved those movies he loved the character and so he based him on snake in this movie and in the first movie and uh someone interviewed john carpenter many many years later and asked like did you ever get into legal battles with kojima or or uh, konami about yeah i was like how did he not get sued and he's like uh and carpenter's like no he's a really nice guy so do you know (laughs) why he couldn't get any legal battles with him why is that because there is a real snake plissken Really? He's a real he's a real person. The whole Cleveland joke in this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's is right. Because the real Snake Plissken lives it's... in Cleveland. 
Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> He's a, he was like a friend of Carpenter's, and that's where he got the name. Because I'm like, that's the that if that's your name in real life, and you weren't named after Snake Plissken, <laughs> that's the most badass name <laughs> ever. So, but anyway, if you haven't, I mean, if you're a gamer, you're familiar with those games, but they really, they really changed the industry and that Metal Gear Solid, that first one's awesome. Second one's awesome. And, you know, it's, and it's, it's really ironic because there was supposed to be an escape from LA video game and they scrapped it because the movie tanked. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. But go play those games. Like, I mean, I know you won't Tom, but if you're looking for a <laughs> cinematic experience, like you're talking about they're like playing a you know 20 hour movie like the the cut yeah. scenes there's so much in between playing uh and they're really the the story goes from all the way from the beginning through all the games the latest one was like uh Metal Gear 5 and then there's like Metal Gear 5 is split into two games kind of it's weird but um the story carries and they bounce around in time and they go back in time and you find out how Snake came to be and I won't spoil how it gets in there but anyway just a fun little fact that Hideo Kojima loved these movies and thought that Snake Plissken was a badass character so because he is yeah he is and yeah. and uh so uh he is this in one kind of, them. of uh, <laughs> <laughs> this character transcends in a spiritual way though there's more than just these movies to explore that character and uh but yeah no watching this again as soon as Kurt Russell comes on the screen and as soon as he opens his mouth you know call me snake you're just you're reminded okay but go ahead, go ahead. You're right. You're reminded how badass Kurt Russell was and is. His presence on screen that in that '80s '90s type of cool guy action hero, like he's the man. Uh, he is he, Kurt. Obviously, it's very well documented on this podcast. My love for Kurt Russell, uh, but it's crazy to see him. He is almost. He's better than Bruce Willis. In like to me, he's. Kurt Russell's way better than Bruce Willis. Well, what I mean is like Bruce Willis in like this time frame. So from like 81 to this is so Escape from New York is 81. Mm. And then this is 96. So like in that time frame, Bruce Willis was a massive action star, right? Sure. And he was the smaller one. You know what I mean? Like you had the Stallones and the Schwarzeneggers and the Van Dams and like so he was the everyman. Right. But he never really did anything that was funny. He had like he he would say things that were funny, but he wasn't a comedian, right? Like he was just the smartass. But Kurt I don't, Russell, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, because I mean, Die, the Die Hard has some really funny moments in it. I'm I'm yeah. not a Hudson Hawk guy, but that but that's certainly a, pe- what yeah, people that's like fair. about that movie is is its sense of humor. Um, uh, uh, Last Boy Scout. That movie's a riot. Oh, but that that's not him. He's not funny. He's Damon Wayans is funny. Oh, I think Bruce Willis is also funny in that movie. Oh, I see. I feel I think he Damon Wayans has the carries the 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 weight of the comedy. Granted, you've got the you know on your on your finger scale. How is my wife? And it's like, oh well, you're gonna get punched I, in the gut. Here's the deal. I think what hap- I think the deal is that you know that Kurt Russell in real life is a really nice guy, and I <laughs> that think that you know be. that Bruce Willis is a douchebag, and right. so it shows through. Like when when they're playing fun characters, like Bruce Willis, I'm not gonna say he was never a good actor or never a star. He is. He was. Like he he made some great movies, but you know as he got older, he stopped caring. He did these lazy movies. Kurt I mean, Russell it, it, never phones it in. 
Never. Never. And, and that's Never. the thing. And you can tell when you watch the movie, you can tell he's giving it his all. Yep. And then when you go watch behind the scenes stuff, you can tell that Curse Russell. He's having a, a blast. He's a really nice guy and a really good person. And it's just his off screen and on screen personalities, even though the characters may be different, it's like he's he's there you know he shows up and i think that's what he, he was santa he he had that santa claus movie had no business being as good as it was love that and it movie. was great because he was like he was in yeah like he was in for playing this rock and roll santa claus so what i mean by that what i'm saying is i think that kurt russell has that ability to be snake plissken but he also has the ability to be cash yeah which is basically John McClane, but funnier from, t- you know, like that's So he has that ability to be both extremely badass and believable. Yeah. But also the John McClane stuff where it's like, he's human, right? Like he's not human in these, in escape from LA, you know, like he's just, he's a superhero right. in this one compared yeah. to the snake Plissken from the first one. Sure. But when you look at his other stuff, like used cars, uh, tango and cash, uh, captain Ron, like he's just got, he, and but then you look at Soldier, which isn't a good movie, but it's fun. The computer like wore tennis shoes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. All right. the old Disney movies that he's yeah, like. A, I mean, he did what? He did probably like ten different Disney movies as a kid. He was, a Disney, he was a Disney kid. That's yeah. what he was. Yeah. So he's just. I just think he's just all around. He's one of the. I think he's one of the most versatile action comedy actors that I don't think gets the credit he deserves. For being in that genre. Well, look at Big Trouble in Little China. He's a John Carpenter guy, right? Like, The Thing. You know, like, it's a completely different movie. He was supposed to be in They Live. He was supposed to be the Roddy Piper character, and he couldn't do it because he was doing Overboard. But I I will tell you one movie that I never saw until last year was that Breakdown movie. So good. I I had never I always at the uh, video store I always saw the VHS yeah. cover I could tell you exactly like what that movie was just it's by like it's like those. it's like an or- orange and purple cover yeah, yeah 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 he's it's it's orange and blue and you see his face in the middle of it like I could tell you that movie and I couldn't tell you one thing about it other than I could speculate <laughs> there might be a breakdown of some sort but uh, I just watched it last year and I thought it was awesome yeah. It was really he, good he, like it, I, it, he's in I mean backdraft and executive decision like all of these you know, crazy movies that he's been in. So, okay. So if you don't know the plot of the first one, basically snake Plissken, uh, is, was a military person. Now he's become kind of like an outlaw. New York has been sectioned off into like a prison state. Um, the president played by Donald Pleasance, his plane goes down and they enlist uh snake Plissken to go into New York and t- pull the president out, um, with this tape that I don't like, does it have like the, the key for like clean energy and it would like kind of put the United States above everybody else. I think that was what all I remember is snake Plissken saved the president. I don't remember what the MacGuffin was about. I think that's what it was because like the end of the movie is him pulling the, like he's got the tape in it. Remember he switches the tape with it, with cab with uh, cabbies tape and he's walking away, pulling the, the um, for you kids out there that don't know what a cassette is pulling (laughs) the, the tape out of the cassette. And walking away and kind of screwing over the president. Uh, I got to tell you, if you just listen to that explanation, I've just described Escape from L.A. Yeah, it's I mean, a, like it's, it's the, a speed it's for, the, for the same reason that we gave the Sting two trouble last week. This is the you know this is the soft reboot or whatever. It's it's 
it's a remake without straight up you know there's still this like mythology in this one where new york happened and everything but right pretty much doing the same story again so think of it as like a a star wars episode seven or uh you know you're telling the same kind of story but just with uh the idea that this is a sequel um lee Lee van lee van cleef has been replaced by stacy keach like that's basically the donald pleasance has been replaced by the guy that was uncle ben in oh my spider-man cliff robertson yep so at this movie, we're set in 1996 uh, and Cliff Robertson is the president of the United States and he has basically outlawed everything. Uh, no booze, no drugs, no women, unless you're married, no red meat, uh, all of he's taking away a lot of freedoms from the United States. And uh, there has been a massive earthquake in L.A. and it has broken off from the basically L.A. is an island now and anybody that has been deemed um, immoral is shipped off to L.A. or executed. There's really no rhyme or reason to why you either go to L.A. or you get sent to the chair. I don't really I guess understand. if you put up a fight. I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, but it's and, the Millennium Earthquake. They predict that in 2000, there's going to be this huge catastrophic, like there's oh, little right, earthquakes. Right, right. And then by 2000, there's going to be the big one. And that's what ends up breaking off Los Angeles from the rest of California. Yes. Uh, and it didn't happen, surprisingly. In two, our, our 2000, it didn't oh. happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Thanks for no the uh, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so now the the president's daughter who uh, I remember as six from that My So-Called Life. Uh, <laughs> that's what she was on, starring the Joker and Claire Danes. Uh, Don't she... ruin the Joker's. Don't <laughs> yeah, sell sorry, his sorry. good name. It, no, it's Jared Leto. <laughs> Jared Leto. Uh, the president's daughter takes this black box, and inside this black box is uh, this device that is like a, a localized EMP that has all of the satellites all over the world. You can pinpoint wherever you want, and whoever has this device can can take out any country and turn them dark is basically what uh, they want to do. So they've she jumps over to L.A., and now they've enlisted Snake Plissken yet again to go into L.A. and get the daughter, well, kill the president's daughter and get the black box by any means. We should now, mention, so this movie is filmed like 15 years after Escape from New York or something, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. so, you know, time has passed and in real time, I mean, they do, they're like, you know, I heard, Snake is like a legend. He's a myth. People talk about him. Everybody knows who they, he is. Yeah, they all know who he is. They all know about New York. They all pretty much know about Cleveland, which we never see, but they, he's this hero, this mythic hero and so every time he's introduced, people are like, oh, I, you know, I thought you'd be taller or, oh, I, I thought you were dead. Yeah, I heard, I heard he slowed down and you know there's all these stories about him so he's reached this legendary status but since new york and his full pardon or whatever he's ran and did he get the pardon in new york before he that was he was yes okay so he's clearly gotten into trouble he's he's gone rogue he's a renegade so he's gotten into trouble with the law but they pull him out here and they say hey we'll excuse everything you've done new york cleveland everything else if you go in and you get this black box back right so okay so the costume that he's wearing it's the same. Yeah. Is the same. It's the exact same yeah. costume. Fifteen years later, and he still fits in the costume. Wow! Like it's the ex- it's the exact same costume from the first Escape from New York. Uh, that's awesome. And that's the, that's crazy because it. What's crazy also is the dude didn't age. 
right? Like he looks exactly yeah, the same. That's why I thought it was did. weird that it was so much later because you know as a kid I grew up with these movies and I never realized when they came out. I didn't see New York, you know, New York in theaters or anything. So I didn't realize there was such a big gap in between these. I just thought like, oh, they yeah. made a sequel. It was a few years later. But you're right. Like I had no idea based on his look and you know, it I couldn't tell until I looked it up and I'm like, holy crap, that much time has passed. I will also say if you had waited 15 years for this movie, you might have a similar reaction to mine. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know, that's that's a maybe, difference that's too. Fair. You're right. Like there's this legendary uh, you know, sci-fi movie that's getting a sequel and they're bringing back the same creator the same cast uh you know i i can see where there'd be more of a disappointment factor and, and you didn't sure. get movies like escape from new york all the time back right. then yeah you know, like you get yeah. movies like that like that kind of that kind of target that demo you get them all the time in fact i would, would argue now maybe you get them too frequently you know um, oh sure but but back then like you didn't get movies like that very often and so um so when you got one, you really relished it, and and so for them to come back, get the the right director, get Kurt Russell back, like you like, oh my god, this is going to be great, and and then and then he surfs, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which was in the trailer if I remember right, like I think that was it a might have been it's either on, it's yeah. either in the trailer or it's on the DVD cover box, yeah, either way, so they they actually wanted to make this in 1985. The uh, the they wanted to start this process in eighty and it just couldn't get it couldn't get it going in time and then they both had time in nineteen ninety five to go ahead and make Escape from L A. Um, so it's the it's the exact same plot right like he Stacy Keach is uh like the head of the NAB you know United States Police Force. Um, you gotta love a good Kurt, Stacy Keach appearance, right? I, I Stacy Keach, Powers Booth, like any of those guys. If they show up, at, you know, um, who was the guy who was the voice of Lex Luthor forever? He was the Kurgan in uh, Highlander, Clancy Brown. Oh, like those, like those three guys kind of run together for me. Yeah, as like, oh yeah, yeah, like give me that, give me that guy with that gravelly voice. That's always a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hey, he's Mr. Krabs. You can't give I know. Clancy Brown that's, always that's being fair. A... That's fair. <laughs> uh, Stacy Keach. No, wait. Powers Booth. I always thought would have made a great comedian. Oh yeah. Yeah. If they, I huh. mean, Powers Booth when he was younger. If you look at him, he looks like the comedian. I've never thought about that before. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. So they again, Snake is in, is infected with the disease. And he's got a certain amount of time before the disease kills him. That's how they control him. They say that, you know, why would this guy do their bidding? You know, the country has, you know, abandoned him and and he's always in trouble. And so they basically say, you're going to go do this because you've got a countdown timer and you're, what do they call it? It's some, some, well, what I thought was really weird in this time period, did you guys (laughs) find it weird that they're talking about weaponizing viruses? Like, yes, (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's weird in this movie that clearly was made a long time ago and there, there is one character in this movie that is a very big problem well <laughs> that, yeah totally <laughs> it's just very similar to a lot of weird conspiracy theories and such so when they were like yeah we've we've weaponized uh it's the plutoxin 7 virus and yes. um I, yeah <laughs> I, from my notes here he has nine hours and 32 minutes to uh get to la get the black box and they also say they don't want any collateral or like they don't want any baggage or whatever like kill the daughter right, so kill the daughter yeah which is just crazy pants that's so nuts yeah. uh so he you know it's the exact same thing where he you know he uh 
gets a instead of getting a, a hang glider, he gets a submarine. Which a nuclear powered submarine. I agree, Tom. That was awful. Oh, I loved it. Like, I love the submarine it. I just, I, is so bad. <laughs> I guess I'm looking at it through different eyes, whereas Tom is like disappointed, bad CG theater eyes. Like, you know, you've seen stuff like in what uh, was 1992 yeah, these, these Terminator 2? So bad. Yes, 91, no, 91. 91. 91. So you're talking about a movie five years removed from the amazing stuff they were doing in Terminator 2, which was groundbreaking. And, you know, and, and The Abyss was like 89, a couple years before that. So you've seen some pretty neat stuff in CG. And so, yes, I could see how it's a disappointment, but watching it through modern eyes and like growing up with it on VHS, those effects are what make it a great B movie like those. That would be like going back and watching Corman movies. And are those movies good? No. Is it fun <laughs> to watch them? Yes. And so I don't know. Again, to- I, th- I think if there if if Escape from New York didn't exist, yeah. I think I would have a, a different relationship with this movie but because it does yeah I'm just like why I are get it. we doing it, this and it's... i and also like the movie's so clean looking like it is very clean looking. Oh, i don't know You're about right. that i don't think it looks clean at all like escape from new york has a very lived in look right because <laughs> they they went to a rundown city <laughs> ours st louis to film it yeah and so it it, it has a very gritty real lived in look like and i mean in the same way that that blade runner did yeah right yeah and um and this doesn't this whole movie looks like it was shot on a soundstage and it was because this whole movie was shot on a soundstage and so i don't know (laughs) see like when you watch the behind the scenes and i've never found that problem with this movie but when you see the work that went into these sets like what's really impressive about this movie is they built gigantic sets for this. You know, I mean, nowadays this would just be green screen. This would be a a big room in a, in a studio and they would green screen it all in here. They, they, you know, they got cars and what did they They say? They brought in like a hundred tons of concrete and rubble. Like clearly the, the artistic, but the art that goes behind making a movie like this and the art of practical effects that's lost nowadays. I don't know. I found it really impressive what they built for this. I mean, they they clearly put a lot of work into the sets, but they still look like sets. Like they never, they they never looked. When you're when you're when you're when your first film is filmed in like scummy, gross downtown St. Louis, right. compared to and you know what and maybe. There's a there's a part where like L.A. is shinier, right? Like there, but but we're not in L.A. Right. anymore. We're in a we're in a broken off piece of L.A. So it should kind of have a similar look, but it doesn't. And it's and maybe that's the camera work. I don't know. Like maybe the camera work had gotten so much better in that 15 years that it was kind of hard to make it look. You know, like I don't know. I don't know where you film a post apocalyptic L.A. besides. LA I guess and good luck filming there yeah. I don't know yeah to me I just it, to me this movie is this rundown you know earthquake disaster LA and I don't know I just you know it doesn't bother me like that and I don't know why but go watch on on YouTube there's a whole 30 minute uh, behind the scenes of the making yeah and for all the stuff like you know, cause I'm watching the movie and I don't know how they made it or where they filmed it. And when I saw the sets they constructed and they're bringing in all this stuff and making it look lived in and worn, it was impressive. I, d- I do like in that thing where the, that mini doc where Deborah Hill, who was still alive at this point and John, uh, John Carpenter's like main producer, uh, said that they couldn't keep 
Like Kurt Russell did most of his stuff, like almost ninety percent of his stuff. Yeah, when you when you watch him riding on a motorcycle, and you're like, that's all him, and you're like, wow, that really does look like Kurt Russell. Like they did a great job. <laughs> oh, it's that because mo- the guy that did, motorcycle like, jump into the back of the bed of the truck is that was bad. so bad. Well, yeah, yeah, so bad. Like, I mean, but that's it's just as bad as everything else. You know what I mean? Like by this point, I'm used to the way the CG looks. But when you look at the actual practical stuff they did, is in the sets and the uh, the car, like the freeways, they're all collapsing and falling. Like they spent so much time and money to practically film that and make it look real. Like the work I can appreciate, and then the fact that you don't have a bunch of stuntmen. Like clearly there are some, but you've got Kurt Russell. You've got him. Everything down to shooting a basketball. Like, (laughs) they didn't have to do that practical, but they did. Like, Carpenter wanted everything to be as real as possible that they could do, you know, within reason. They can't do submarines and and helicopters and all that stuff. But, you know, I just got to give them credit for taking the time and spending the money to do all that practical stuff. And it's a lost art at this point. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I I, I think that it is a lost art. I think using... Actually, I think practical effects are starting to come back. I would agree. Because I think a lot of of filmmakers who grew up like we did. Right. The people our age that are filmmakers now appreciate Uh them and, you know, they're they're spending more time. So I do love to see that. But, you know, for a long time now, I mean, we were clamoring for something like the time that they would make, even though stuff is on a different scale. Like, sure, the whole freeway collapsing thing, it's a different scale, but it's still huge. It's still several stories high. It just may not be as big as the actual freeway. But the fact that they took the time to build remote controlled cars that look like real cars and to build columns and build this whole system, like, yeah, I, I will say the 10 the, second clip, the earthquake scene, I thought looked pretty good like i could tell it was done like a little on the cheap and because it was a lot of like shaking the camera and then throwing concrete into the shot but but, like overall like i thought that looked pretty good like that was one of the the better effect scenes especially given what we were were about to see (laughs) (laughs) i think with carpenter where he excels is with a smaller right budget. and i think when you start giving it when you start giving him bigger right. budgets is where he kind of falls apart yes and i think the budget kills this movie i think if this is i like, agree for the time 50 million dollars was a pretty good chunk of change and i think yeah. if this was a 20 million dollar movie or a 25 million dollar movie i think it would have forced him to be creative in a way that he wouldn't have been otherwise. But right. it's also really a $40 million movie because Kurt Russell got 10 of it. Good I mean, good for him. Yeah, no, totally. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> and I think you also have to remember the time jump, too. Like, yeah, sure. Okay, was the CG as good as it could have been? No, it wasn't. But this was the 90s. This was the mid-90s when you saw the type of movies where the big blockbusters with the explosions. Sure. Yeah. And, like, this movie gives you all of that. Like, well, I think from- watch. I think from their standpoint, that studio was thinking Terminator was a low budget early 80s movie. We poured money on right. it and it became mm-hmm. a beast. So let's do the same thing. Because, I mean, if you if you watch Escape from New York and Terminator back to back, they're very similar they're living in the same kind of world. I mean, I know that. Yes, absolutely. Telling different stories, but they they. They use this, they have the same sensibility about them. So the thought sure. process of pour a bunch of money on it and we'll make it bigger, like I understand it, but I think it ultimately did the film a disservice. I agree. And you're right. Like that scene of uh, Snake in New York for the first time compared to Kyle Reese running down the alley. Right. 
Like those look very, very similar. Yeah. In style. You're absolutely right. And I, that's when you go back and look at Carpenter's later stuff, he is, there are throwing some money at yeah. him, like Christine and, uh, and Christine's great. Like that's not the problem with that. There's no yeah. problem with that movie at all. Starman. What's that? I mean, that was when he did Starman. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Memoirs of, no wait, that was, that was Wes Craven. Never mind. Um, but he, so like, so yeah, so he gets to LA, he, you know, he takes the submarine, he gets to LA and then all of a sudden he meets Peter Fonda as like, that is so, that's so, <laughs> to me, that just seems like such weird casting and like, he's in it for such a small time and he's like this hippie or like hippie surfer, surfer type dude. <laughs> LA dude. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so he gets there and he, it's, it's crazy cause he's immediately on it. Yeah. Like he knows where he needs to go. It, I felt like in New York. He was trying to find his bearings a lot more. Like he just sure. trying to. I mean, figure that out was a younger, on. inexperienced. Snake. I guess that's I mean, true. That's fair. I that's mean, fair. he was a military guy, but he hadn't been on all these missions and adventures like all to the extent that now. Remember, you know, he's got Cleveland. He's moved across the country. He's done all these adventures that we've never seen. And so, Snake. I mean, when he's thrown into it, he's he's on a mission. Yeah. And uh, you know, one thing, about, another thing about this movie I love is that it never stops. Like, no, this one does. Much like Trolls Two, this one does not quit. Yeah, and you know, I watched this with Ryan, who's almost eleven. He loved this movie, and I paused it at one point, and we were forty minutes into it, and he's like, "This movie's already halfway over." Like he loved it. <laughs> Ryan's like, "This movie is awesome." So yeah, I mean, I, he this did you movie, show him the first one? I he no I didn't show him the first one so he hadn't seen it okay but you know this is a ten year old almost eleven and like he had no like me when I found this movie on VHS it's a very similar situation to where he just saw this movie and he's like Snake is cool and there's lots of sci fi and I don't know he he dug it and it was kind of cool to see that so many years later that he found this movie like I did and you know at no point was he like oh this is old and this is boring like he had no preconceived notions. And he thought it was a kick-ass action sci-fi movie. I feel That's like fun. I need to report you to DFS for <laughs> showing your child Escape from L.A. without showing him Escape from New York. I know. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I feel like he needs to see Escape from New York. Yeah, yes. but you know what? If, if a kid is going to see a movie, though, like this movie, I think because of its nonstop and action-packed nature, like this is the movie that the kid is going to like this will hook him more and then eventually go back and watch New York. But like, you know, I feel like this is the attention span for an 11 year old to be like, okay, this is, cool. I mean, you're not wrong. That's very true. I, I love, I love New York so much that it's my ringtone. The thing from escape from New York is my ringtone. Um, New York, New York. Yeah, exactly. I actually, I have the, I, I, I collect figures, but I don't take them out of the box. Um, like and the I really ha- cool, realistic looking. Well, I have, figures? I have the escape from LA movie maniac. McFarlane yeah. figure here in the house. Um, nice. So, so yeah, so snake gets there and he immediately right, runs into Peter Fonda randomly. Um, you, you didn't mention that during that whole submarine scene, he goes over universal studios, which is underwater <laughs> and there's a shark that goes in <laughs> yes. front of the, yeah. Which I, I was like, I all love- right, well done. I mean, this movie's like, hey, we're in L.A. We're going to get to Universal Studios. We're going to go to the we're on Mulholland Drive. We're going to go to the Hollywood Bowl. We're going right. to see Grauman's Chinese Theater. Uh, you know, they go to the all landmarks. And at the end, the battle is in Disneyland. It's the reverse. Uh, Holly- not Disneyland. Uh, Hollywood Land. <laughs> well, right. It's not Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's Disney. It's yeah. it's Disneyland. Yeah. This, <laughs> yeah. Is, this is this is the reverse um, Hollywood Land. Yeah. Or, you know, Hollywood. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so he gets there and 
uh, Peter Fonda points him in the right direction and he gets into, he's trying to, there's another guy inside LA already who he's trying to find who's like his going to be his contact. And of course he walks through this giant hotel, much like escape from New York. Don't you love that when the president and his team, like Stacey Keach is like, we've already sent in a, a, a whole team and they've all died. And he's like, great team. Yeah. <laughs> like, the one liners are pretty good. Like Snake's it's, such yeah. a badass though. Like everything right. that he says, like he's, he's one of those that much like a silent Bob or, you know, he's a man of few words, but when he talks, it's, <laughs> he's got that cool collected attitude to where, you know, I don't know. I, Kurt Russell is perfect for this role. He was, he, so he finds the guy hanging there on a, on a wall, like, covered in knives and the you know he's like jefani was like yeah he's just hanging around no but you know what but you know what joe i was just gonna say the opposite of that because he doesn't like kurt russell is great in this role because he he under delivers his life oh yeah yeah absolutely so arnold schwarzenegger would be like you know the oh looks like he's just hanging around (laughs) you know what i mean like the way that kurt russell is just cool and he's like you know like i don't think he's gonna be coming to the party or whatever (laughs) you know like the way he just he under delivers it that's what makes the snake plissken character i totally agree arnold Arnold schwarzenegger is doing doing dad jokes where uh kurt russell is doing uncle jokes exactly (laughs) there you go so that's what i appreciate is that the jokes are there and as the audience we can find them entertaining but they're not yucked up for laughs and that is why you take these movies i mean it's hard to put this in the sentence because i know tom won't agree but (laughs) overall you take these movies and him more seriously because he's not kurt russell never breaks character right so like no if um, if he was hamming it up this would this would be just so bad yeah and i think I think that's the difference between The Sting and The Sting 2, right? So they remake the exact same movie and the same plot, just like this one does. But The Sting 2 yucks it up. You've got Jackie Gleason, and everything is trying to go so big with the jokes and the humor, where this movie, even though it's not as serious of a movie and there is lots of silly stuff, Kurt Russell never breaks from the cool Snake Plissken character. So I kind of, that doesn't happen. There's one other time that that happened, and it's Evil Dead to Evil Dead 2. Evil yep. Dead Evil Dead 1 is a straight up horror movie. Like that's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Evil Dead 2, they ramp up the comedy. It's a dark dark comedy. It's a very dark comedy, but it's still like a, they they let um Bruce Campbell, there's your segue. Yeah. Uh they turn him loose and they just yeah. let him be Bruce Campbell and that's kind of the Ash character is not the same character from Evil Dead 1 to Evil Dead 2. He's a very different character. And then he's even more different when we get to Army of Darkness. Sure. And, you know, Uh, a lot of that, though, I think is because, one, you've got Bruce Campbell. I mean, that's Bruce Campbell. That's his personality. He's owned that his entire life and career. You know, that charismatic, smart-ass, like, badass guy. Um, You know, I think when you turn that guy loose, he's able to make, whatever character whatever role he's working on he's able to make that his own and you expect bruce campbell yeah um and so not to say that kurt russell isn't talented enough to be versatile but snake plissken is such that badass character like i don't want snake plissken doing jokes i don't want Snake plissken going crazy i want him to be you know calm and you know one line like not one liners but short short responses um anyway but yeah i really appreciated how he didn't change character between the time spans right he's the same character yeah uh so yeah so he sees the the parade we run into uh did we see oh map no, to the Steve stars was, eddie what but did we see him before the parade or after the parade He's it's one of the first the people he runs into though is it uh, when he gets to hollywood because he goes through the little uh you know, he goes through his little hut or whatever, and oh yeah, and, and he kills he kills the rapey nerd from Revenge of the Nerds. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so he he runs into Steve Buscemi. This is and this is pre accident, so he still looks like Steve Buscemi. Like there's there's a he has an accident in real life and his face gets messed up. So that's when he, there's like a, a weird change in his career where then he becomes like the weird looking guy. Um, and he's like, he's mapped to the stars, Eddie. So he's got, instead of it being a map, he's got like a little, um, star Trek communicator that has, mm. you know, how to get through the city. And of course, snakes like, you know, no, that's no, thank you. His costume uh, looks like he's cosplaying the Joker from 89 Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So he's cabbie, right? Like, except yeah. cabbie wasn't a bad guy. Spoilers, like you know. Well, and Steve Buscemi is not necessarily a bad guy. He's a he'll go to the highest bidder. He's right? an opportunist. He's just, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But and Cabby wouldn't. Cabby was always on uh, Snake's side the entire time. Um. So yeah. So he takes off, and we get to the Cuervo Jones is this guy in charge, and Snake immediately sees him, and I was like, "Well, just kill him. What are we? Why are we waiting?" So you know, he, and that's what Snake goes to do. He hops on a motorcycle. He starts taking out guys on the motorcycle. I do like that uh, the the president's daughter, that Corvo Jones, turns around. And he's like, "Oh man, I, that's that's Snake Plissken." And he's just like, "Yeah, I heard he got old and slow." And well, yeah, I heard and, he slowed down. Slowed and down, and, and and she's just like, "He doesn't look like he." And this is the, as soon as he says, "It looks like he slowed down." He pops a wheelie on a motorcycle, <laughs> and she's like, uh-uh, doesn't look like he slowed down it. to me. It's so ridiculous. I love it that, like, in between these two other motorcycles, he's, like, you know, he's hitting the other guys, and then he pops a wheelie, and they're shooting at him, and he's dodging their bullets. I mean, that's... Which I don't think you can do on a motorcycle, on a muscle bike. Snake Plissken can. I guess that's fair. <laughs> look, like, he did it. If it's, like, if it's uh, a, that's... that's true. Yeah, if it's crotch rocket, I could see that, but I heard... <laughs> Cruising around on a Harley, I don't think you can pop a wheelie on a Harley. Snake Plissken does whatever the hell he wants, <laughs> yeah, Joe, and yes. you'll like it. No, I'm I'm with it. I'm not arguing. <laughs> uh, so, but he ends up getting like uh, Cuervo Jones takes him out, and he has to like re re regroup and figure out what to do. This is where he runs into uh, not Adrian Barbeau, mm-hmm. um, and you know we we see this other group of. Uh, people in LA who were basically like botched cosmetic surgery people. It's and, a, you know, this movie is a commentary, you know, as most sci-fi movies are, it's a commentary on a lot of different things and they're going to LA. And so he Carpenter chose that to expound upon this idea of all the fake people and the plastic surgery in LA and that there's this uh, society of people that have just keep having surgery after surgery after surgery. And now they've done it so much that they've mutated and they need constant surgeries in order to stay alive. Their muscles have turned to jelly is what I think one of them says. I mean, it's Uh, a pretty funny and apt take on the, you know, LA cosmetic surgery type stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. And the and the mad doctor is played by Bruce Campbell, which is he's always great. Yeah. Of course, Carpenter goes to Rick Baker. And yeah, I mean, it's, again, just great seeing prosthetics and, and real practical effects. I mean, Stan Winston, Rick Baker's, these are the pioneers and the geniuses of practical effects. Oh, and yeah. They chose to model all of these uh, the monster type people with these surgeries like on real procedures. Yes. So they've got like high cheekbones and they've got too much collagen injections in the lips. And so it made it seem where clearly it's not super realistic, but the uh, augmentations were actually based the Bruce on Campbell real... one is pretty close. Like, yeah. you know, like Michael that's Jackson the one that... and yeah, I thought his look looked pretty good. I like yeah, realistic. So... It didn't look rubbery. Yeah. 
It was no, a Michael they, Jackson nose with mm-hmm. a Kurt Douglas chin. That's right, Kurt Douglas chin. Yeah, and I was just like, "Why are you giving Bruce Campbell, Bruce Campbell a, chin? a chin?" I know, but the, <laughs> like, but Kurt Douglas has that pronounced like. So does he? I, he does, but this one like they went above and beyond. You know, they yeah. like really stuck it out there. Yeah. Um. So anyway, he gets there. They're gonna cut them up. Cut this woman uh, and Snake. They're gonna cut them up for parts. Uh. But Snake, of course, gets out of it because it's Snake Plissken. They get away, they run through the sewers, and she kind of uh, makes a move at him. And, of course, Snake doesn't do it. He he contemplates it, but he won't do it. So they're in this part of town uh, that is run by, I guess, a very young uh, Asian gang. And, of course, she shows back up. They're going to team back up. And then she gets shot in the chest. And I was like, okay, so you are literally... The Adrian Barbeau character from New York. Like, that's... I don't think... Did she get shot or did she get pulled down by, like, the mutants? I can't remember. It's been a while. I didn't watch this one recently. I think she, I think, I think she gets, like, attacked by, like, the people under the... Maybe I'm wrong. Either way, she doesn't make it. Uh, so... And this is this where Snake runs back into... Oh, this is where uh, Star Map Eddie shows back up and... Uh, ends up double crossing Snake and shoots him in the chest with like this high power drug. Well, he's in his uh, he's in his cool car, and uh, we find out it was Cuervo Jones' car that he lets him use, and right. it has like booby traps in it. <laughs> yeah, like James Bond car. It is uh, very much one well, just like how he used the uh, blow dart was almost like a James Bond weapon. It was, they, yeah. I mean, I, they had they had a whole tactical like unit that's kind of like a Q thing where he's giving him gadgets, and so yeah, he does that blow dart. Yeah, which that was cool. Uh, so yeah, so he wakes up and, uh, Corvo Jones is basically, they get, uh, the disc that they need that gives them all the codes and they break through and to the, the, uh, broadcast to the United States. And I guess since somebody crossed Corvo Jones, he decided to localize, um, the EMP bomb and he shuts down Washington. It's called the Sword of Damocles is the weapon that's okay. run okay. by the satellites. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, they, they shut down Washington, and that was a test of their power. Um, Let me ask you guys this, though. So this is the this is the thing that I started thinking about in this movie. Clearly, the president is a bad guy, right? Like, they're not yes. making him out to be a good guy. He's clearly evil. By the end of the movie, you can see that he has no regard for human safety. He's already taken away everyone's liberties and, and freedoms. That's clearly another point they're trying to make with this movie. And then you have this group of people that is that has been isolated and sent to live on this prison island uh, given no means except for to fend for themselves so i mean can you blame cuervo jones for trying to take back like any free like you know what i mean like i don't know that cuervo jones is a no, bad he's not, guy he, he's not totally a bad guy right like that's the that's the key right like he the wants US to, he is wants the bad to, guy the oh yeah absolutely yeah, i are. mean cuervo jones i mean he was dropped here with a bunch of other people that because they were a muslim because they didn't because uh, they ate red meat because they well i figure know, that there's also real criminals probably mixed in like it's not like they're like oh but we'll keep the murderers you know no, of course not <laughs> no i mean there are bad people there but i'm just saying that when a bunch of people are dropped off on an island and say hey fend for yourself like can you blame them for trying to get control back well sure this is this is carpenter to a t yeah like this is absolutely carpenter uh, anti-government, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's who he is, and that's right. coming through loud and clear in this one again. Yeah. Uh, and it's weird, like, in 96, 
it's funny because you know you you could see Carpenter being like that punk rock kind of guy where he's anti Republican and anti conservative. He's anti everything because yeah. I mean ninety six Clinton's president, so it's just like it, the the country is starting to shift a little bit, but. He is Carpenter is still just like, no, F that noise. <laughs> like all of you are bad. Um, so this is this is where we get to the basketball scene where you see a guy trying to he has a 10 second shot clock uh, and you got to make 10 points. And of course, we know what happens. This is one of the most probably the most infamous scenes in film. At this one point. of the one of the ba- best basketball scenes of all time, would you say? <laughs> I I wouldn't say that. It's definitely better than Catwoman. Cat yeah, <laughs> but not That's much. E- yeah, <laughs> not but, by, but I'll tell I mean, you. At least what, it's Kurt Russell taking the shots. When yeah. you know that he made every single shot, the fact that Kurt Russell, while they were rehearsing, when he got the script, when there were table reads, whatever, like Kurt Russell practiced basketball for weeks on end just to get good enough to take these shots. Like I just, there's a certain amount of respect that goes into that where when they he, could have done it. I mean, that's cool, but it still is wildly out of place with this. <laughs> it <film>. is, it <laughs> is considering you see people like beating each, you know, in the first movie, he's in a wrestling ring beating a giant uh, professional wrestler with a, a spiked baseball bat. Yeah. You know, like that was, but, and you see that kind of around the basketball court in this one, you know, initially you're just like, all right, we're just gonna get the same scene. That was cool. We could see how badass snake is. And then you're just like, Oh, he's just going to shoot hoops. Yeah. But they actually went to, it was the LA Coliseum. It was LA Coliseum. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, suddenly it's an episode of the white shadow. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I remember watching this. I was watching it last night. And when he throws the ball from the other side of the court, I was like, man, that looked really good. Like that was a and then, you, of course, you watch, you're like, oh, because it was real. Like, so yeah, totally yeah real. to follow Tom's point, you can tell what's CG. So when he did it, I was watching. I think I even rewound it last night because I didn't remember it was real. And I'm like, there's no trickery. Like, yeah. you can like the there's fact no, that he did that. There's again, no trickery takes, with any of his shots. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Nope. None at all. Yeah. So. So we, this is where the, the crowd turns and starts chanting for Snake. And then, of course, Cuervo Jones says, I can't let this happen. I got to kill him. And uh, the president's daughter, like, stops the shot from going off. And uh, Snake gets away and he's running down the sewers and he ends up getting the uh, I think her name was Sticks, actually. What was I was trying to think um, just the, the the girl from Blossom was six. Uh, either way, the, the president's daughter. Uh, shows up with the black box. The daughter's that? U- her, the daughter's name is Utopia. Utopia, yeah. Um, shows up with the box and says, "Look, I want to go back. Like, I don't want to be here." Uh, and then, of course, Snake Plus, you know, he tells her, "I'm going to kill you. Like, I'm <laughs> here to kill you." And so he has, of course, because Snake Pliskin is the outlaw with the heart of gold. He doesn't have it in him to kill her, but that doesn't mean that Steve Buscemi's character won't do whatever he can to uh, earn favor from Cuervo Jones. So he shoots Snake in the leg, and he thinks that he's killed Snake, and it's a big kerfluffle. Snake gets away, sort of. Isn't um, there another earthquake happening or something? Uh, there, are, there, there are some aftershocks that kind of happen throughout the movie, and there's they're getting bigger. Um, and so, so, like, yeah, the, 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 the sewer system kind of collapses on itself. And, and Eddie comes out and he's like, I shot him. He's dead. Like he does that old trope where he's like, yeah, I right. killed him. Give me, you know. I killed him. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then, so, but to Cuervo's credit, he's like, yeah, bring me his head and I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll we're, we're even. Yeah. Uh, so then they have, they're going to Anaheim. Like Anaheim is where 
the the rally's going to happen and they're going to show the world how dominant they can be now that they have this the sword of Damocles. Uh, Snake gets out of the river, comes up out of the out of the sewer, and who's there? Surfer Peter Fonda, Pete Fonda, <laughs> uh, and they have to. They're gonna they're gonna surf through this. I don't know what it is. The big one's uh, coming. There's a big wave coming, and they're ready to surf. And I do, like this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is ridiculous in the best uh, way possible. In the best way possible. Yeah, like even the high five at the end. I'm yeah. Like Snake Plissken, that was the part where I was like, he wouldn't give that guy a high five. <laughs> Snake Plissken wouldn't have given that guy a high five. True. Uh, so they they start surfing down this trench. And it's this massive wave, <laughs> and of course, I, it's it's and this is almost Looney Tune esque. Yeah. Where Steve Buscemi is driving along the side, and he sees Snake Plissken surfing, and he's like, <laughs> "What the what?" You know, I I almost expect him to for his eyes to bulge bulge yeah. out of his head. Oh, it is Steve Buscemi. Do a spit take yeah, and yeah, be like, yeah, right, exactly. So he, I, I told, I told Kevin, I was like, there's no way that snake Plissken gives this guy a high five. Yeah. Like that was the part where I was like, no, no, no. What are you, what are we no. doing here? Um, so of course snake jumps off the surfboard into the car and punches Steve Buscemi and they're, they're going to ba- Steve Buscemi reveals some information that Corvo Jones had a partner named Hershey uh, in a boat that is in the middle of downtown LA. So they go and I there was a moment I knew that she was in this movie and I could not remember <laughs> where. Yeah. So the this character is you see this character from behind and she starts talking. Are you talking about Carjack Malone? Uh, yeah, uh, no, which is a character not. that would never <laughs> play today. Uh, so Snake's like, wait a minute, and of course it you it, the. Her voice is modulated to be a little bit deeper. A little? And Snake, a lot of bit, <laughs> a lot of bit deeper. Uh, and Snake's like, wait, I know that voice. And we find out that it's, uh, I would say Foxy Cleopatra is what I was going to say. <laughs> Pam, yeah, Greer. Pam Greer. Uh, Jackie Brown. Jack, also Jackie Brown. Yeah. Um, she is He finds her gun, though. Don't worry. Yeah. When he goes to uh, grab to see, you know, he just see, wants to see if she's still packing heat. And she is. Yeah. 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 And so she's she's a transsexual. And, and, and he also refuses to call her by her new name, which now would correct. be very controversial. Right. That's why you could never. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can have, obviously, a transsexual character. but Oh, these, no. The character isn't the problem. But these it's, days, like, you can't, yeah, treat it like this. No. Yeah. Right. Right. So they strike a deal. Basically, we find out that uh, Hershey and Snake worked in Cleveland together for, on something, and Hershey kind of screwed him over, or she believes that either way, they screwed each other over, uh, and now they have to get out of L.A. Snake's got, like, an hour left uh, to get out of, to make it back to L.A. with the- And she tries to, and this is again where it goes into, like, oh, the government's lying to you. They're like, you're not, you're fine. They're not, that's just yeah, a this play. Vi- they're- telling him this virus right. isn't real it's not a real thing it's and of course Which he's like hawking up hawking up really, along but again yeah. with the virus not being real i mean it's just really weird to watch this totally it is, it is very odd uh so finally the, we find out there's a chopper coming and so they jump on these hang gliders Ugh. and decide to hang glide they have they have to get to anaheim and the fastest way they can do it is to ride the the hot winds that are from from the fires of Hollywood. <laughs> this like... now this I I all the other stuff 
I've excused bad CGI, whatever. It's fun. I love it. This is clearly the worst looking thing in the entire movie. Like when the hang gliders come out of the sky. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. I don't think there's anything that looks worse than that. It's really bad. I didn't think you'd get worse than than the the surfing looked pretty bad, right? And, but and then this this is really bad, yeah. But you Trick know what? Ya. But to their credit, again, once they get toward the ground, there's like people really on hang gliders and on lines. Like this entire mo- scene, the final fight scene, yeah, is crazy. How much practical stuff you're talking about? Thousands of extras, all these eff- practical effects with the guns and the lights and the wires and the people on gliders shooting and doing these action stunts. I mean. For what it's worth, and as ridiculous as it is, I really appreciate what they were doing in this showdown. They, I mean, he look. Carpenter is a. I would, I'm hesitant to even say he's not a visionary, a visual director, as much as he is about building that tension and building that mood. Uh, so, like we've said, when he's given a budget to do things, I'm actually really impressed by his ability to capture some stuff yeah. he went and like, for it like the, yeah he went I, for I it i mean it's all there i mean yeah the budget was crazy for the time and yeah it did blow it up into something wildly preposterous for a lot of it but i embrace it and i i appreciate it and then also like it's on the screen when you see the explosions and you see the models and you see all the guns and extras and stuff like i mean to me i had a fun time watching how much real practical stuff was on the screen at one time and how yeah. it wasn't a complete mess like it controlling all that happening at one time could have been an absolute disaster and say what you <laughs> will with how ridiculous the movie is but like the action is uh discernible you know like you can yeah it's it. it's linear like it make it, yeah. it's not just like they threw it you know into the editing into a blender like some of these movies Ex- yeah exactly so <laughs> you gotta get right, props right. for get like to the- controlling that much on screen at one time <laughs> yeah but let's get to so the- yes yeah so a big a big fight ensues obviously we know snake gets away uh he gets away with the president's daughter uh they fly back to la the the, the time has expired um he kicks he, he takes he's got two of them he's got two little disc things he's got the uh the the da- sort of damocles but he's also got the um map to the stars the map to the stars of course and we know what's gonna if you've watched escape from new york you know what's gonna happen yeah so he slips one of them into the president's daughter's pocket and kind of kicks her out of the tells her to jump he crashes the helicopter they show up the they being the 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 police of the united states stacy keach stacy keach and everybody else shows up and they think they've got you know he hands it over but Stacy Keach is hesitant because he knows what happened in New York. So they find the president's daughter and they find her, the one that uh, Snake stashed on her. And Stacy Keach is like, no, 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 no. Like, well, let's we'll take this one. And of course, Snake's like, OK, cool. You do that. And so the president does a live press conference where he's which gonna... is exactly this is the exact same ending as New York, where yeah. uh, Donald Pleasance is going to give a big speech. He starts playing the thing. It's cabbie's music. So same deal happens. Uh, big speech. They think that Cuba is uh, is about to attack the United States, so he uses the sort of Damocles to what he thinks is going to shut down Cuba. And of course, it's Steve Buscemi's doing the map to the stars. Uh, he immediately tells Stacy Keach to kill Snake Plissken on live TV and in front. On of live, I do like the gal where she's like, "Uh, we're live," and he's like, "Cool, we'll Even do it better. live. We'll do it live." <laughs> uh, and of course, he turns and fires. And we forgot. I completely forgot. I've seen this movie a billion times, and I always forget that he's got the stupid hologram thing. The, yeah, the foreshadowing che- was all yeah. there too. Yeah. Chekhov's I mean, yeah. hologram, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
so he's not there. And but he, he tell you know, he had like, told them that he had lost it when he landed. He like right. listed some of the equipment that was lost or damaged, and and that was one of them. That was one of them. Yeah. Turns out didn't lose it. Uh, so he he's not there, and of course he sets the coordinates for six six six, which will shut off the world. And he does it, and he turns off the world, and all of the world's electronics, and the you know everything is shut down. And the last scene of the movie, which I I feel like I don't understand, is him li- smoking a cigarette that he just happens to find on the ground in a place where cigarettes are illegal. Uh, and he just kind of looks at the camera <laughs> real long and says, "Welcome to the human race," and then blows out the match. <laughs> You know why? Because Credits. it was cool looking. I mean, it was cool looking. I was fine with it, but I was like, I'm like what are we, what are we I'm doing? Like, I know smoking's bad, but he looks really cool doing that. Does anyone else <laughs> yeah. like that's That's why they, like that it, that's why the cigarette companies used to give free cigarettes to the movie studios, because yeah. they right. wanted their actors to smoke on screen. It's like yeah. the yeah. first And that's how it ends. This, yeah. I love this movie. I agree oh, this is... It's not good. It's a deep fried taco for me without a shadow of a doubt. It's not good uh, as in like Citizen Kane is good, but in fun B-movie action. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very yeah. good. And I, and, and I agree with Tom. If it didn't follow Escape from New York, which is a perfect movie, uh, this would have been a different different scenario altogether. I wish so I could embrace it, it in the same way, but because of how much I like Escape from New York, I just it just yeah. it, it it's just. The whole movie to me feels like such a missed opportunity. Roger uh, Ebert gave this movie three and a half stars out of five, which to me, I think, I think pants. he's praising it just like we are. Three and a half out of five. He which loved is it. He, why I was always a Gene Siskel guy. <laughs> I'm just saying, respected movie critic Roger Ebert, like he got it. He said, yeah. you know, it's ridiculous. He called it out for what it is. And he found the fun and the the action in it. So, you know, I just, this isn't a 0% project. Just for no, anyone who's following at home, like, we've done a couple of those now. This movie was split down the middle. It was pretty much like 50-something percent. Totally. You know, critics loved it or hated it. Um, so it's a polarizing movie. Yeah, I just Great. couldn't get on board with the campy aspect of it because of the first movie. If that didn't exist, yeah. I think I would be able to enjoy it on on that level, and I I just can't bring myself to it. But I totally get it. But, you're uh, wrong, but I get it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, no, but I, I I don't think you're wrong, Joe. I think Kevin's wrong, but I don't think <laughs> I don't think you're wrong because you're like it's a deep fried taco. This isn't a great yeah. movie, but I still love it. Like I, I that, love it that I get. So, but I uh, almost want a th- I almost want a third one. Of like the old gunslinger, Snake Plissken. Oh, like, yeah, I mean, gray hair, gray beard. That's exactly what happens in the Metal Gear Solid video yeah. games. I would have, I, I would have liked to have seen the Mars movie. And I think if the Mars movie had been like this, it would have been easier to accept because now he's on Mars, and it's like, well, of course it'll be wackadoodle. But right, like right. this should have been a bridge between this and Mars. And it's a I shame agree. it didn't. This, this should have been the Batman Forever to the Batman and Robin of Ghosts of Mars. Yeah. But so. spoiler alert, the new Metal Gear Solid games are Old Man Snake. And that's exactly, if you want to see what, what you know, like the further adventures would be with Old Man Snake, that's what they do. And it's cool to see. And I would not be disappointed if Kurt Russell came back and they did some kind of a Old Man Snake movie. Like, it'd oh. be pretty no, cool. No, I, I, yes, I, would, I would definitely want to see that. So yeah. I, it, Give it to Blumhouse. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, well. Well, I guess uh, I, I guess that's it for this one. Let's go around the table and everyone can say where to find them. This is Joe. You can follow me on the Twitter at Joy Butts, B-U-T-T-S 21. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. 
And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. Find the show online, Facebook.com slash Royal Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. And, uh, of course, our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Real Spoilers. So uh, next week, we're back to no new releases, so I guess we'll have to tackle <laughs> another uh, misbegotten sequel. And, uh, Joe? Yes? Kevin and I had a conversation offline that didn't include you and made it made another audible decision. Oh, so okay. We figured you need to pay for getting both a Kurt Russell and a John Carpenter movie. Oh no! So next week for our misbegotten sequels, <laughs> motherfucker, <laughs> gear up, uh-huh. get some popcorn. Yeah, bring the kids. No. You're watching Grease 2. Oh, well, okay. So here's... Okay. Oh, crap. He's like Michelle Pfeiffer? That's exactly it. Yeah. Like, that's the only saving grace of that movie is Michelle Pfeiffer. So uh, so that's what people Joe's have gonna to look... Joe's going to be a cool writer. Yes, he is going to be a cool writer and, and learn all about uh, reproduction. So, Oh, but, well, all right. So that's what you have to look forward to next week. Uh, that's your homework assignment for uh, for the listeners. If they want to keep up with us, go find a copy of Grease 2, and uh, that's what we will tackle. So thanks for tuning in, and until next time, Williams handcuffs Ballard to her cot. On the street. She's the girl, and he's the guy. Grease is still the word at Rydell High. Grease 2. You'll love it. Rated PG. Now playing. Check newspaper for theaters and showtime. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the super light tree runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the super light tree runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.